0: This is HPR episode 2610, entitled GNU Orc, Part 12, and is part of the series Learning Orc. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 34 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Advanced Use of Arrays.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris, and I'm doing part 12 of the GNU Orc series, or Learning Orc, as we're calling it. So I started talking about arrays in episode 10, and I thought I would continue that in this episode, looking at some of the advanced elements of arrays. Now, the stuff I'm talking about today is... Specific largely, I think to the Gnu version of Orc, that means if you 're using Orc, which is not the enhanced Gnu version, then some of these might not be available, so you need to need to check to be sure so i 'm talking about arrays, but i 'm also going to finish off with an example of using or to solve a problem that I had. This is not relative to arrays, but just because I thought it was useful if you had some real world um, examples of using awk rather than the sort of fairly sterile examples that you tend to find in these episodes otherwise. So I'm going to start talking about pat split. I mentioned the split function in the last episode I did on this, episode 10. But there's a more powerful function for splitting strings into array elements and it's called pat split because it splits according to patterns. It takes a series of arguments. first one is a string which is the thing to be chopped up and it's going to be chopped up according to the third argument which is called field pat which defines the way in which the string is to be split and it's Put into the pieces are put into an array, which is the second argument. There will be separators between each of the fields, or well, there may be anyway. And they, yeah, I think they would have to be, wouldn't they? And the they are put into a further argument, which is an array, which is uh, denoted by sep's in the example. We'll look at this in a bit more detail. This is very similar to the way that split works, and uh, you can t- see the examples I... I gave you there, but the main difference from split is that this field pat argument, the third one, is a regular expression which defines the field rather than the separator. So I've got a bunch of examples here and I've gone for splitting up comma separated stuff. Now what I've done here is to write a script which deals with dollar 0 the input record. And I'm just giving the example one record, but this would work with multiple records, of course. Um, I'm using $0. Now, you could just as well have ignored PAT split and used the standard splitting mechanism, but we haven't really covered how you can do that using a regular expression. There is a field, a built-in um, thing called FPAT, which is similar to FS, uh, which allows you to do that, but uh, it hasn't been covered yet. We'll We'll be adding that into the series a bit later on. So I've got a bunch of examples which I've called orc12 underscore ex and then a number orc. This one is ex1 and what we're doing here is we're using pat split to split $0 into an array called a. We're doing it by finding fields which consist of 0 to any number of non commas So it's the regular expression is in slashes and it's open square bracket then a, a circumflex which means not and then a comma close square bracket asterisk that means zero to any number of uh, characters which are not commas so in other words anything that consists of things which are not commas followed by a comma followed by not commas and a comma will will fit that then having split it there's a loop which goes for I in A, remembering that that's the way that you walk through an array, and it prints out the value of the array A indexed by I. So if we feed it an apple a day keeps the doctor away with commas instead of spaces, then the output is the same sentence with spaces in between. I'm printing them out without new lines and then i putting a new line on the end so you see a, an actual string. I've used a similar sort of approach throughout these examples. In the example, not the thing that you can download which is the uh, the orc script, but in, in the actual example in the, in the notes, I've uh, showed shown the process of making a bash variable x into the string and apple a day keeps the doctor away. Then Using Bash's editing features to replace all the spaces by commas, and then feeding that to the awk script, which then removes them again. It's a, it's a silly example, but uh, you, you get. I hope you get the the idea from that. Now, if you wanted to do a more complex regular expression, example two shows that. This example takes the expression, the the string, I should say a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush but I turned the word bird into a red bird separated by commas and enclosed in double quotes so in standard CSV format you can have elements of the comma separated variable list which contain spaces or commas indeed enclosed in double quotes so I've just emulated that then, When it's printed out, it's printed out with each of these elements, separated by spaces, and I put angle brackets around each one just to make them stand out more clearly, and you can see that the, the red bird string is, um, is, is, is one, one entity. The regular expression consists of two sub-expressions enclosed in parentheses, with a vertical bar in between them, so it's, it's an or-type expression. The first one is the same as in the previous example with a series of zero or more not commas, if you like to put it that way. The second one looks for a double-quoted string containing one or more things which are not double quotes. So this technique of saying the, the thing that encloses a string followed by any number of characters which are not the enclosing Characters is a is a technique you'll often see in regular expressions, so that works fine with the with example as you will see, and that's ex two. Then in ex three, we've got an example where the pattern is quite simple, but what we're doing here is we are saving the separators. So the pat split is simply using a series of letters, capital or lowercase letters, one or more. So any sequence which which matches that is the uh, field definition, field pattern. We're saving the result in a, an array S. The script prints out all of the elements of the array which are, which are captured by splitting. And of course I've called the array A because I've not I've got much imagination. No new lines, just spaces in between the, the elements, followed by... A new line at the end and then similar loop to print out the contents of the array s. Now uh, when I say similar loop it's not quite the same because this time it's a counted loop because when you run pat split, it returns the number of fields that it found and uh, I captured that in a variable called FLDS short for fields so I use that in the loop setting i equal to one then Um, adding one to it until while it's less than or equal to that number of fields. So that prints out all of the separators. And then it puts a new line on the end. So the result is you get the the words in the sentence fed to it followed by a line containing all the separators. What I fed to it was the expression grinning like a Cheshire cat where each word is separated by a number of hyphens. So the first thing you see is grinning like a Cheshire cat Separated by spaces, followed by all the the different hyphens separated by spaces. It just so happens that the separators, the hyphens, are the same length. Sequence of hyphens, same length as the word before it. And I just wrote a little um, awk script to to do that, which I've included in the notes here. But I've marked it skip unless you're really interested so I won't read this one out you you can dig into it if you really want to it is available for download if you want to grab it and mess around with it now the printing of the array s doesn't begin at zero it begins at one but there is a zeroth element because it captures pat split captures the separators prior to the first field well there aren't any in this case so I didn't bother to print it but uh, it's worth bearing in mind because it can be of interest. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about path split. Let's move on to sorting arrays. Basically there are two main ways to do this. The first one is to use an extension in GNU orc, which is a built in array variable called proc info, all in uppercase. The element of the array is, has the, the index, sorted underscore in, because that's a, that's a string, it has to be in double quotes. So PROC INFO, square brackets, quote, sorted in, quote, close square bracket. That's the, the magic variable which can be used to control how arrays get sorted. In the original version of ORC, the, the non-GNU version, then arrays came back in an arbitrary order when you, you loop through them. So sorting them could be a bit of a pain, and I know this because that, that was one of the things I had to do in my early um, computing career. When I started to use ORC, there was no sorting built in. The thing you put into the, the PROC INFO element is a string, predefined string, which begins with an at sign and consists of various keywords. And the, the default one is at unsorted which means that the array come back as in standard org, in an arbitrary order. Then there's a bunch of others. I'm not going to read them all out because there's quite a number. It's a little table I put together of them. Take, for example, one that I quite like to use and one I've used in the example, which is at VAL underscore STR underscore ASC. That stands for values, the values of the array as opposed to the indices. STR treat them as strings. ASC in ascending order. The notes here say order by element values in ascending order. Scalar values are compared as strings. So whatever values are placed are are found in the array elements, be they numbers or strings, will be treated as strings and sorted accordingly. So this this can be quite useful. I certainly would have uh, been more than delighted to have had this when I had various tasks to do using Orc back in my career. Setting this value is determined, it determines the sort order, but before the loop scanning it begins. You can't change it during the loop, while the loop is scanning. And what's more important perhaps is that whenever you set this value, proc info sorted in. Then it's effective throughout the entire script. There's no sort of scoping or localization. So if you have a script that an awk script that's printing arrays in several instances, they're all going to be sorted in this way. You can change the value between instances of writing it out, of course, but uh, you, you can't. And you can also switch it off by setting it to unsorted. But it has a wider effect than might be obvious. There's a bit more to what to this thing than I've mentioned here, and I've just alluded to it, because arrays can be more complicated than we've seen so far. Plus also, this proc info sorted in can also contain the name of a function which will perform sorting on the array for you. It's a, a function that you have to define. We haven't looked at functions, user-defined functions yet. I'm not sure whether we, we will go into this when we, when we do get to that point. I pointed to the GNU Orc Manual, uh, section 8.1.6, which covers this in a lot of detail. So if you really need to use this, then that's the, the place to go. So there's an example which is called EX4, another downloadable one, and it consists of a begin rule. And in the begin rule, proc info sorted in is set to at val underscore string underscore ask, the one I mentioned before, and we just use split to split up $0 into an array. It's doing the split by space. which is the same sort of split you would get in, a, in default orc anyway. But um, if you split stuff in the usual way with orc you, you can't easily sort it. And it doesn't go into an array. Then the script prints out the elements of the array. And it will come out. They will come out in sorted order. It uses for i in a, as we've used before. It prints out the value of i and then the, the, the value of the value of the a, a array indexed by i. I've fed it the string "An Englishman's home is his castle." And because it's sorted on the value, it comes out as "An Englishman's castle, his home is." And you'll see the indexes are not in sorted order. The values are in sorted order, alphabetically sorted, with the capitalized letters before the lowercase ones. It's quite—I think—that's quite a potentially useful thing. I have certainly used this, the sorting capability, in the past to capture frequency information from bits of data, and um, frequencies were often a thing that were quite uh, important bits of knowledge in the environment I worked in. And having a sorted list of frequencies was often a, a useful thing to to have. So sorting in this way, or alphabetically sorting the, the names that you were you were doing frequency counts on, or something like that, was often quite a desirable thing for various reasons. So let's now look at the functions which are available for array sorting. Uh, Be easy mentioned them when he was doing his review of string functions in episode 11. The functions we're gonna look at are called aSort and aSortI. Now the two functions have pretty much the same arguments. I have listed them separately and described each of the arguments separately in the notes. The arguments are the source, which is the array that you're, you're going to be sorting. Then the second one is called DEST, which is an optional one, which is the, the place you, you're going to put the results of the sort. And the third argument, which again is optional, HOW, is a way in which you can define the type of sort. The HOW argument, not too surprisingly, can be any of the strings that we've already seen. These AT unsorted and AT vowel, string, DESK and ASK and so forth we saw in the context of the proc info stuff. Anyway, let's look at the examples. I'll whiz through these fairly quickly. There are three of them. First one is um, EX5 and I've made them all fairly trivial where I've defined an array and called it A and the array's indexed by the numbers one, two, and three. And in it, I've just put names. Jones was the first one, X, I was thinking of Mr. X when I wrote that, I think, and Smith and then I used a sort a on that array and printed out the results. So using a sort on that array a, which has got uh, the values one, two, and three, the indexes results in nothing nothing very exciting. I had to do a double take on this one, example five, because the array is being loaded up with indexes one, two, and three with the strings Jones, X, and Smith. Then it's being sorted, and the sort will cause the the values to be sorted so when it 's printed out, you get Joan Smith and X in alphabetical order, but the indexes have been changed to be one, two, and three against the jones smith and x so in other words the potentially the indexes are completely destroyed and are replaced by the numbers one two and three or whatever whatever is appropriate for the number of elements and um it's not very obvious in the example so i apologize for that but um it's it's an odd thing to do in some respects because you're taking an array which has got indexes which one assumes are important and it's reordering the the indexes so one stays at Jones. Two, instead of being X, becomes Smith. And three, instead of being Smith, becomes X. So it's um, it's a slightly odd thing to do, I guess you'd say. I think the the Prog Info method is better in many ways. Example six. I have done the same thing, Jones, X, and Smith in an array A, but I've, instead of using numeric indexes, I've given them characters, A, B, and C. And what I've done this time is used A sort on A, but I've said the destination is to be B. So in doing that, the A sort, first of all, copies A into B and um, then sorts B and does, the, does its stuff with, with B. So there's a loop which loops through the array B, and it prints out 1 Jones, 2 Smith, 3 X, the same as before. But then the second loop prints out the array A, which goes A Jones, B X and C Smith. So in that case, the indexes have not been destroyed. But um, they are being messed up in in the first one. Example EX7 uses the other function, A sort I, and it creates an, an array a where the the indexes are strings third second and first so third is jones second is x first is smith then a sort i a that when that's printed out you see that what you've got is an ordering of the indexes but the actual values have been thrown away you might wonder what on earth's the point of that. I think I might be able to explain that in a moment. Example 8, number 4 in this group, uses a sort i, but with the dest argument, so that you, you don't destroy the original. And it's pretty much the same, except that it prints out, it prints out the result by using one array to index the other. So it loops, it, it's sorting, it's a sort i, the, the array a, into b, and then it loops through B, so for I and B. And then for each element, it prints out the array B indexed by I, and then it prints out the array A indexed by BI. So the result is 1st colon Smith, 2nd colon X, 3rd colon Jones. So effectively, it sorted them into the correct order by index without messing up any of the data or at least the, the data has been messed up in array B but B the results in B have been useful in indexing A. hope that makes sense and I have to say that when I was uh, having to do sorting of this sort of stuff myself using you know, just basic sorting algorithms in ORC then that was the, the technique that I used but it's a, it's, a little, it's a little odd until you get the, get the idea of it and that's why I think they are, orc is changing these arrays because it's assuming you're then going to use them as, as ways of indexing the original data. The next example, the fifth one in this particular group, EX9, uses the same sort of idea the three elements in an array indexed by A, B, and C. It's using A sort from A into B, but it's using the how value, the how argument, and it's using at VAL underscore str underscore desk so descending by value treating them as strings. Then it's using array B to in the loop and it's going it's printing out the index of B and then the contents of B. Element A of A was Jones, B was X, um, element B was X, element C was Smith. And when it comes to print these out you see X, Smith and Jones listed out in in that order, in descending order, with the indexes 1, 2 and 3. This is useful, but I would would offer that the use is moderately limited. Okay, I've got a section here entitled Yet More About Arrays, but it's really just to say I'm not going to do any more about arrays just now. There is more to be said, though. There is a sort of multidimensional array capability in ORC. For an original ORC, it had this, and it's still available in GNU ORC. And there's a considerable enhancement in that you can have arrays as array elements, too, in in GNU ORC. But I'm not sure that we're going to be covering these topics in this series. There's loads of information about this in the GNU Orc manual if you want to dig deeper. However, if you if you feel, if we receive any requests to recover this area in more depth, then we'll reconsider doing something about it. I must admit, I have never used um, multidimensional arrays, nor array L, arrays of arrays, um, which can be arbitrarily deep. And um, there are some quite reasonable facilities for, for manipul- manipulating them and walking through them and stuff. But... Um, it's it's not a thing I've ever used in ORC. If I was to do that, I would use a different scripting language, I have to say. Time is marching on, so let me go quickly through my real-world ORC example. This is about things I do, and one of the things I do is to process show notes for HPR, which are sent in with episodes. Many people send in their show notes as plain text, which is, which is fine, but we need HTML for loading into the hbr database so what i do with them i've got a series of scripts in with which i check them pull the the notes out of the uh, the file that we get from the form and i uh, uh, edit them to fix any errors turn them into markdown and then generate html using a tool called pandoc as part of that process i look at the html that's generated locally I've grabbed this and and am working on my local workstation, and um, I make a copy of the HTML in a format which is easy to browse. And Pandoc is good at doing this. It makes it turns the Markdown into standalone HTML, which uh, I can view in a browser, and uh, and it looks pretty much how it will look when it's um, on the HBR site. So uh, that's the point at which I can say, oops, there's a mistake here and go and fix it and uh, move on from there. Now, to make the HTML copy I want for viewing locally, Pandoc has recently changed to the extent that you need to provide further information. The further information is a couple of lines of metadata, which has to be in a format known as YAML. YAML is a sort of simplistic data format, which is quite well defined but simple to, to produce and human-readable and so forth. There are alternative ways of doing it, but I'm using the YAML option. So the way this should look is there should be two lines of metadata with a three hyphens above, three full stops below, and the two lines consist of title colon, the word title colon, lowercase, space, then the title of the show, which has to be enclosed in quotes, or should be, I enclose it in quotes, anyway. The second one is author colon space, then the name of the host, and I enclose that in quotes too. And that's used to generate headers in the final document. This is, this is just for my own benefit. So I, I wrote an awk script to generate this YAML metadata, and I embedded that in the bash script that I used to run Pandoc. So I've included this bit of awk in the notes here, and it consists of 14 lines. This is part of another script, as I said. The first line is orc space minus f and then a space minus a hyphen character, then the, the name of a variable, which is then piped into, redirected into an output file, again, defined by a variable. The first variable is called $raw file. The second variable is called $tmp1. It's a temporary file that'd be thrown away afterwards. But the end of the line, and this is where we're digressing a little bit from Ork into some of the, the areas of Bash, consists of a thing called a here-doc. And here-doc is a way in which you tell Bash there is some data that's to be in, added or given to, or stored in a file or given to a program. And you, in order to do this, you need to use two less-than signs followed by a, a word the word has to be has to have no no spaces in it. I think it contain other characters. I I usually just make it a series of letters. This particular one I've called end orc, all in capitals. I put it in quotes and I'll mention this in a moment. Everything from that line up to a line that only consists of end orc starting in column one is data to be chewed up by orc. And because the orc command uses minus f which is telling orc where the program file is to come from the script itself and the argument to minus f is a hyphen that hyphen means get it from standard the standard input channel so it's telling awk effectively that what follows is the program it's just a convenient way of including an awk script in a, in another script immediately after the invocation to to orc. You can put the whole thing in quotes but if the script itself uses quotes things get really convoluted. This particular case includes both single and double quotes so using quotes to enclose it would be a real pain. The quotes around the the here doc terminator tell Bash not to interpolate any dollar signed variables in the in the data by default it will actually scan this data and if it finds dollar something it will assume it's the name of a bash variable and it will interpolate it if you put the here doc terminator in single quotes then it won't do that and i've got dollars and stuff in this script the script itself begins with a begin rule and the begin rule simply prints out the three hyphens that we need to start the thing. And it ends with on line 13, I put line numbers on this one for ease of reference, it ends with an end rule which prints out the three full stops at the end of the metadata. Then there are two regular expressions in the the main script and these are things which are going to be matched against the input data. The first one is an circumflex title colon with a capital T and what this is meant to do is to match the string title which is in the, the input file where that input file is the one that's come from the HPR server and contains the data that's been fed in by the, the host submitting the show and uh, has been turned into, into this file. So one of, the, one of the, for, the items on the form is the title of the show. So we're looking for the, the result of that. So the rule itself uses the sub function, which we've, we've looked at in the previous show, which matches the string circumflex title colon, circumflex being the start of line, as you'll remember, and uses backslash s after that because that means a universal white space sequence single white space i should say so that's a space or a tab i think most of these when they're returned consist of one tab but um, not quite sure so i just did this to to be safe and the sub the second argument to sub is simply an empty string what it's saying is the bit of the the line that's, that comes in, the one that begins title, chop the bit off that says title and is followed by white space. So it removes it entirely. So all that's left is the actual title. Then the next line, line 5, is a G-sub. G-sub, you'll recall, is a means of doing multiple substitutions on a line. And here it's looking for single quotes. And if it finds any, it will replace them by by two single quotes, and that's because YAML needs, if, if you've enclosed a string in quotes and you're wise to do so, then if you want to embed single quotes within it, then they have to be doubled. So that's what it's doing, ready for YAML. Then it finally prints, line six, it prints the string title colon in lowercase, followed by one space, followed by the final result of these bits of editing in single quotes, followed by a new line. And it's actually printing $0, which is the entire line that's been matched by the, the regular expression. And the second regular expression is that the rule began by a regular expression is looking for host name, and that's doing the same sort of thing, except it's looking for the name of the, the particular host in this um, in this file that's come back from the form on the HPL website. And it's doing pretty much the same thing. I won't explain it again, cause it's pretty much identical. When that's finished, the result should be that the, the four lines of metadata should be in the, the file whose name is in the variable TMP1. And then a bit later on in the bash script, there's a, a long line which calls Pandoc to do the necessary thing. And as part of its arguments, I, I've printed them all out here in the notes, but I, I don't really think I should explain them because I'm not sure anybody's interested. But essentially it's, been, it's given Pandoc two data files called $tmp1 and $extract, which it's to process and produce some results in a file called fullhtml. Along the way, it's told Pandoc to include the HPR CSS, which it's grabbed from the website. So it m- means that the the HTML that's produced looks identical to the sort of uh, HTML that the HPR website generates itself. That took a lot of ex- explanation, but it's really not a very complex awk script. I thought it might be of interest to see the sort of thing that... Um, gets used for at least the way i use it and it also shows an example of using a bash here doc which uh, people might not be that up to speed with so that's it that's the end of my show today there are all of the examples i've mentioned are included in the show there's an epub version of the notes okay then bye bye